I've been preaching verse by verse through the books in the Bible, and we are in the book of Matthew. We're going to finish up chapter 15 today, and we're going to read verse 29 to 39. And today I'm going to talk to you about the feeding of the 4,000. Now, in chapter 14 of Matthew, there was the feeding of the 5,000. And in Mark chapter 6, there was the feeding of the 5,000. In Mark chapter 8, there's the feeding of the 4,000. A lot of Bible scholars believe that this is the same story, that the 5,000 to 4,000 is the same. Well, that's not true. The reason they say that is because there are similarities to the story in the 5,000 feeding of the 5,000 and the feeding of the 4,000. But trust me, there are differences. And trust me, you're going to see those differences today as we go into the Word of God. The difference between the feeding of the 5,000, which not counting women and children, which probably would have been around 12,000 or better, uh, the feeding of the 5,000. The feeding of the 4,000 would probably be around, oh, I don't know, eight or 10,000 people. And so there is a big difference. And I'll show you the difference between the two, the feeding of the 5,000, the feeding of the 4,000. And um, just because something seems to be the same as you're reading through the Scriptures, and if, if you're not careful, you'll come to the, the, re, the feeding of the 4,000, you'll just pass it by, and you won't see the significance of the feeding of the 4,000. And trust me, the feeding of the 4,000 is more impressive to me than the feeding of the 5,000. And I think you'll agree when I get through with the message today that the feeding of the 4,000 is very impressive. There are commentaries in my office that says they're the same thing because of the similarities of the story. But I want to tell you something. There's nothing in the Bible put there in duplicate form unless it is the same story. And if it varies, it's a different story. Amen? Uh, the feeding of the 4,000 was uh, seven loaves of bread and, and a few fish. The feeding of the 5,000 was five loaves of bread and two fish. There's some difference there. And if you think it's the same story, trust me, I got up Monday and I had a bowl of oatmeal. I got up Tuesday and I had a bowl of oatmeal and raisins. I got up Wednesday, I had a bowl of oatmeal raisins, and walnuts. I was wearing different clothes each time I ate oatmeal. I've, been, I've eaten oatmeal all week long. But trust me, I didn't just eat once to, this week. I eat every day. And though there were some differences in my breakfast, it's not the same thing. Because I'd starve to death. It was just one meal a week. And as you can tell, I've not missed too many meals. Let's stand for the reading of God's Word. Matthew 15, verse 29 down to 39. I am a little warm today, but I'm going to praise God for that. And Jesus departed from thence and came nigh unto the Sea of Galilee and went up into a mountain and sat down. And great multitudes came unto him, having with them those that were lame, blind, dumb, maimed, and many others, and cast them down at, the, at Jesus' feet. And Jesus healed them. And so much that the multitude wondered when they saw the dumb to speak and the maimed to be whole, and the lame to walk, and the blind to see, and they glorified the God of Israel. Then Jesus called his disciples and said unto them, I have compassion on the multitude, because they continue with me now three days, and have nothing to eat. And I will not send them away fasting, lest they faint in the way. And his disciples say unto him, Whence should we have so much bread in the wilderness as to feed so great a multitude? 
And Jesus said unto them, How many loaves have ye? And they said, Seven, and a few little fish. And he commanded the multitude to sit down on the ground. And he took the seven loaves and the fish, and he gave thanks and broke them, and gave to his disciples and the disciples to the multitude. And they did all eat and were filled. And they took up of the broken meat that was left seven baskets full. And they that did eat were 4,000 men beside women and children. And he sent them away, and the multitude took ship, and the multitude and took ship and came into the coast of Magdala. That's where Mary Magdalene came from. The feeding of the 4,000. I want to talk to you today about a picnic without a ham sandwich. May be seated. A picnic without a ham sandwich. Whoever heard of a picnic without a ham sandwich? Well, the title of the message has little to do with actually what I'm going to be talking about, other than the fact that the crowd in the 4,000, the feeding of the 4,000, was a Gentile crowd. We need to understand that the feeding of the 5,000 was a basically mostly Jewish men and their wives and children. But when you come to the feeding of the 4,000, you'll find that Jesus is feeding mostly Gentiles. Now, the reason there's the feeding of the 5,000, the feeding of the 4,000, is because there was a feeding to the Jewish people in the beginning of Jesus' ministry, and then there's a feeding to the Gentile people at the end or after he rose again from the grave. To the Gentiles, to the Jew first and also to the Greek, go into all the world, present the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so I want to show you some apologetics. You say, what is apologetics? Well, it's not me apologizing to you. It's simply debating somewhat of what people read in the Bible and mistake it in error. You remember last Sunday morning, we preached about Jesus Christ going into Tyre and Sidon. And we talked about the Syrophoenician woman that came out of the area of Canaan, uh, Syrophoenicia. And Jesus, remember, he was in a house. He was trying to get some rest. And she came in, and Jesus called her a dog. Remember that? And she got the crumbs. The dog beat it out of the house with the bread, got home and found the devil gone. And her daughter healed because she had argued the fact with Jesus Christ that even the dogs eat of the crumbs that falls from the master's table. God leaves no one out. And so Jesus Christ goes up into a desert area, Tyre and Sidon. And there in that desert area, he begins to present the gospel of Jesus Christ. And now he's teaching his disciples. He's trying to train his disciples it is ingrained in those disciples that the message of salvation is only to the Jews. It was ground into them. It was ingrained in those apostles that salvation was to the Jews and, and the Messiah is a Jewish Messiah and that God is a Jewish God. Nothing could be further from the truth. The Messiah is a Jewish Messiah but God's not just a Jewish God. God's the God of all creation. And he's God of heaven and earth. And he's the God who so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So the message of God's love is not just to Israel, but to the whole world. Now, the purpose of this feeding of the 4,000, I think, was to bring the apologetics concerning that to argue the fact that this was not just a Jewish-type setting, that here was a Gentile setting. This story is found also in um, Mark chapter 8, the feeding of the 4,000. In fact, Matthew 15 and Mark chapter 8 is the only account of the feeding of the 4,000. And the feeding of the 5,000 was... Matthew, Mark, and Luke. John doesn't give an account of any of them. 
Now, actually, John does mention the feeding of the 5,000. Excuse me. Let me correct myself a little bit. But anyway, I, I want to share something that the Lord laid on my heart early this morning about the difference between the feeding of the 4,000 and the feeding of the 5,000. I already mentioned to you that the feeding of the 5,000 was five loaves and two fish. Let me tell you that the five loaves were probably unleavened bread. And the fish were probably a little bigger than the fish in the feeding of the 4,000. Because in the feeding of the 5,000 was in a heavy populated cities and area of Jewish population in the Galilean area where it was heavy fish. And the fish were probably a little bit bigger than the fish in the feeding of the 4,000. You say, what difference does it make? It'll make all the difference in the world in just a little bit. Now, the feeding of the 4,000, the bread was um, seven loaves. And it was probably leavened bread because it was a group of Gentiles he was talking to. The fish, notice it says a few fish. Does it say how many? A few fish. And the few fish, because of the location of where they were, they probably were sardines. Now, I met a guy at one time that told me that he loved sardines. He said, I had some today. I said, you didn't have to tell me. I know you had some today. I smelled you before you got near me. My dad used to love sardines and mustard and crackers. And I thought, Dad, there's something wrong with you. And dad would eat them things. He'd, take, he'd go out and his, he'd take a lunch. How many remember the lunchbox? That, and dad would take his lunchbox to work. He'd always save a, a, a bag of potato chips or a Twinkie for us kids to, you know, go to World War III over. And one day he left some sardines in the bottom of his lunchbox. And he tagged a name on it for James. And I hid the name and said, Tim, Dad left you something. Tim's my younger brother. You know, that sardine didn't smell any better two weeks later because none of us children ate it. Now, I, I just want to throw out a little bit of humor because it's important that we understand that the feeding of the 5,000 with the five loaves and two fish, difference in loca location, probably during a time of Passover or festivities of the Jewish people, so that would make the bread unleavened. But during the time Jesus was taking care of the 4,000, that was dear, during the time of uh, of summertime, our time would be spring and later, and the grass would no longer be um, flush during that time. The feeding of the 5,000, Mark chapter 6 says, there was much or there was green grass. But the feeding of the 4,000 says there was just ground, just ground, barren ground. So two, two different time settings and two different feedings. I, I want to show you something that, that really touched my heart. It's found in Luke chapter 8, verse, or chapter 7, rather, verse 31. And again, departing from the coast of Tyre and Sidon, that's where he healed the Syrophoenician woman's daughter. And he came unto the Sea of Galilee, that's the upper part of Galilee, not the fishing area, heavily fishing area, through the midst of the coast of Decapolis. Now, Decapolis is a, actually the word Decapolis means 10 cities. And they were made and founded by Rome. These 10 cities were Roman city, uh, cities. And because they were Roman cities, the heavier population in that area of Galilee was Gentile. And so in Decapolis, that's where Jesus was. He goes up into a mountain, and he sits down, and they begin to bring people to Jesus Christ to be healed. Now, before I get started preaching, I'm just kind of laying down a, a foundation here. 
for the 4,000 was mostly Gentiles. There's some, there's some uh, things that point us that way. Look at verse 31 of chapter 15, Matthew. It says, insomuch that the multitude wondered when they saw the dumb to speak and the, the maimed and the whole made whole and the lame to walk and the blind to see. And they glorified who? The God of Israel. So that tells me these are Gentiles glorifying the God of Israel. Amen? And that's a beautiful passage of Scripture when you look at it. Now, let's get into the story just a little bit because it's important that we see this. And it's important that we understand the differences in why Jesus did this. He went into the area. In fact, the Bible says in the place where um, he fed the 5,000, which would be 12 to 15,000 people because the men and women were not counted, uh, the Bible calls that a desert place. In other words, it was a place up in the, uh, the areas where it was clear, not no, no tea, trees, no, just no brush, just basically a, a barren desert area. But when you get to the feet of 4,000, it doesn't call it a desert, both in Matthew and Mark. It calls it a wilderness. And when Jesus Christ came to Israel, he found Israel sitting in a desert, dry and void of the power of God. And when Jesus Christ came to the Gentiles, he found us in a wilderness. And so Jesus goes up on the mountain, he sits down on that mountain, and they begin to bring the sick to him, and the Gentiles are staying there. And they're so enamored by it, they stayed three days. Now you would think someone would get their healing, then they'd say, I'm out of here. I've learned in church, if God starts blessing, don't leave too quick. I mean, hang around. It's going to get gooder and gooder. Hang around when God moves. Don't be too quick to leave. Don't let God do something spectacular in your life and then take off. And these Gentiles were so hungry for God that when someone got their eyes healed, the blinded eyes opened, and someone got healed, they just stayed. Now, why were they staying? Most people, if they got their healing, especially if they get their healing of walking, they'd be gone. But they stayed there because, no doubt, Jesus Christ had a charisma and had a personality that drawed them to him. Amen? Now, I know a lot of churches that are built on the personality of the pastor. I want you to understand, I don't know how good my personality is. But I'm sure you're not coming here because of my personality. One thing I try to do is I try to present the personality of Jesus Christ when I preach. I try to reflect the personality of God's Word when I preach. I try to reflect the personality of the Holy Spirit. If you build anything on the personality of a man, it's built by man. But if you build it on the personality of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and His Word, then the church is on fire, and God begins to move. And when the pastor, if he stumbles or does something that displeases them, they don't run off and say, well, the pastor let me down. No, they just go back to their home and say, isn't Jesus wonderful? Can't wait to get back to hear the beautiful message of Jesus Christ. And so these Gentiles stayed right there and would not leave because they wanted to hear Jesus because they seen his personality, God, the personality of God. They saw the personality of God's word and they stayed there and they stayed three days without any food. They stayed three days with no food. Now that's a camp meeting. Amen? I mean, now that's a real picnic when you can stay after the nips is gone. Right? Most people just come for the pick-pick. I want to come for the nick-nick, picnic. Amen? But understand how beautiful this scenario is. They stayed three days and they were famished. Now, the story is, as Jesus teaches them, 
at the close of the day, after the three days, he says to his disciples, uh, I have passion on them. I have compassion on them. I, I want to feed them. And you would think the disciples would say, whoo, look what he did. A few months ago, look what he did. Wow, we're going to get to see Jesus multiplied again. No, the disciples were back in the doubting, unbelieving mode. But I think it was more than that. And the reason I think it was more than that, after they stayed three days with Jesus Christ, I think that Jesus Christ says, feed them. And they said, how can we feed them among so many? And I, we get the answer in verse 4 of Mark chapter 8. And his disciples answered him, from which can a man satisfy these men? There it is. The Jews said, where can we get the stuff to take care of these men, meaning Gentiles? They had no doubt that Jesus Christ could do good stuff. But they were wondering why Jesus would do any good stuff for Gentiles. And there's not enough bread here in this wilderness. I want you to know there is plenty of bread in the wilderness. When you turn to Jesus Christ, there's lots of bread in the wilderness. And so after Jesus Christ says, what do you have? He says, seven loaves, probably unleavened loaves, and a few fish, sardines. He says, well, have them sit down on the ground. Now, the 5,000 sit down in the green grass. Now, that's a picnic to sit down on the green grass. But the 4,000 sat down on the rocky ground because they were in a wilderness, and they were Gentiles, and they had no green grass to sit on. They had no lush cushion to sit on, and they sat on the barren ground. And then Jesus Christ says, feed them, and he, take it, and he takes the seven loaves and the fishes, and he breaks the fish. And uh, actually, in the uh, feeding of 5,000, he breaks mainly the bread. But in the feeding of the 4,000, he breaks the fish. Why? Because Jesus is the bread of life. He broke the bread for Israel, and the bread was to be given to Israel first. But when he came to the fish, he broke the fish because the fish is a picture of the population of the world, the oceans of the world, the waters of the world, the Gentiles. Isn't that good? Amen. I trust I'm not giving too much information to bore you. I, 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 I don't want to ever be a preacher that bores people. Amen. Maybe I need a better personality. I don't know. But anyway, we want you excited. Warm. You came out of the cold. I mean, you came out of the 60, 70 below windshield in here. It felt that way. And then you came into this warm house, and then you're hearing this smooth talker talk to you, and you're wanting to go to sleep. <laughs> Only one problem with that scenario. I'm not a smooth talker. Now, he had them sit down on the ground. He fed them, and when they got done, they picked up seven large baskets full of bread and meat, fish. In the feeding of 5,000, he had 12 baskets for the apostles. Those baskets were small for one person to carry. The same word is not used for the basket in the feeding of 5,000. A different word is used for the feeding of 4,000. The feeding of the 4,000 was big baskets, like hampers. The word was big baskets. Like Paul was let down in Damascus, down the wall in a basket. Amen? You've heard of chicken in a basket? That was preacher in a basket. And so we're talking about a large amount of leftovers. And that large amount, seven big, large hamperfuls, was not given to the apostles. It was given to the Gentiles to take to their families. Now, if you've got, you got one spiritual bone in your body right now, you've got to be jumping up and down in, in your soul. Wow, 
What a great truth. What an amazing truth. Now, let's look at this and, and stop and understand that God has compassion. I want to spend a little time, and then we're going to give an invitation because we want to have a baptism. But it said, after three days, both in Matthew and in Mark chapter 8, it says, after three days, Mark chapter 8, verse 2, he said, I have compassion on the multitude because they have now been with me three days and have nothing to eat. And then we're told in Mark 8, verse 6, and they had a few small fish. He blessed them and commanded them to sit down also before them the, the meat. So they sit down on barren ground. The Jewish people in the feet of 5,000 sat down in green grass. The Gentiles sat down in barren ground, wilderness. After three days, after three days, he fed the Gentiles. How long was Jesus in the grave? Three days. And after three days and three nights, Jesus Christ arose from the grave, not as the Messiah for Israel alone, but the Messiah and Savior for the whole world. And so now he's going to move the Gentiles from sitting on barren ground, and he's going to let them sit in the grass, the green grass. Isn't that good? Green grass is a picture of resurrection. Dead grass is a picture of death. And so when the feeding of the 4,000 sit down on the ground, it's a picture of death, wilderness. So he, he transports you and I from a death and from the wilderness and takes us into the resurrection because the green grass is a picture of resurrection. I'm glad, and I want to shout glory to God, that Jesus Christ, after three days, has moved us to the green grass of resurrection. And if you haven't been moved from the green grass, from the barren ground, if you haven't been moved from the wilderness, from the barren ground, to the green grass of resurrection, I want you to know that the, the great message in this feeding of the 4,000 is that God did not leave the Gentiles out. He fed the Jews first. He fed the Gentiles second. He presented the gospel. He gave first the bread to the apostles, then they gave it to the Jews, then they gave it to the Gentiles. That's the, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. But I'm so glad to tell you that Jesus Christ has not left not one of us out of his love and his compassion. He cares about you. He loves you. He wants you to go to heaven. Jesus Christ wants you to live and not die. And if you feel like you're sitting on dry, barren, rocky ground, and there's a wilderness all around you. I want you to know if you'll sit in the presence of Jesus Christ in his resurrection power, three days and three nights he arose again from the grave. If you'll sit down in the barrenness of your wilderness and hear the life of Jesus, the death and resurrection, he'll He'll transfer you out of darkness into his marvelous light. He'll baptize you into the body of Christ. He'll translate you from the barren, dry ground of death, from death all around you in the wilderness, and he'll set you down in the green, green grass of heaven's home. You'll sit down in the green grass of resurrection. I love that, don't you? So I want to say to everybody with all my heart that God wants to take you out of the wilderness and he wants to bring you back into the God of Israel and he wants you to come. Now, I want you to understand something. They spent three days feeding another 4,000, mostly Gentiles. They spent three days in the wilderness. The ground was not green. It was the, the ground had already, the grass had already dried off, di died. They spent three days. Where'd they sleep? On the ground. They laid on the ground. 
Where'd they walk? They walked on the barren ground. They stumbled on the rocky soils of the wilderness. They struggled in their life. And three days in struggling, they listened to God's word. And Jesus Christ not only gave them the Father's word, he gave them miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle. And he's trying to tell them, look, I've got something better for you than sleeping on the ground. I've got something better for you than sitting on the ground. I've got something better for you than stumbling on the rocks. I've got something better for you than being lost in the wilderness. I've got what I've given Israel years before. I've gave them green grass. I've cushioned Israel and gave them my word. I've given them green grass to sit upon. And yet they have allowed, even with the green grass, my gospel, the word of God, the prophecies of the Old Testament, they've allowed themselves to dry up by the root. They've allowed themselves to become a desert. There's no water being pumped from my temple to the, to the weary and the thirsty. There's no movement like the fig tree. There's no fruit in the, in the temple, in the ministry of the temple. And Jesus Christ said, I came to Israel once being flush in the green grass. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me lie down in green pastures. And I came to my people, and they were laying in the green pastures. But they just laid there and laid there, done nothing with it. They void themselves, and Israel became a desert. And I came to them bringing good news. They rejected me, so I went up to Tyre and Sidon. I went up into the Decapolis, the ten cities of Roman citizens. And I went up there, and I found people that were sleeping on the ground. I went up there and found people that were stumbling on the rocks. I went up there and found people that were blind and maimed and withered and their bodies were broken and dying. I went up there on a mountain, just sit down on a mountain. I'm king of the, of the mountain. He just went up on the mountain. Jesus went up on the mountain, sit down. And the masses of Gentiles come running. And Jesus began to bless them and heal them and touch their eyes and touch their limbs and heal their bodies. And they stayed. They stayed for three days. And staying for three days, Jesus Christ said, I want to give them something they can take home to their families. I want to feed them. I want to take care of them. I want to give them something more than sardines. <laughs> Amen. If there's no reason to get saved other than the fact you never have to eat another sardine, get saved now. Amen. Hello. I, I'll be honest with you some, of you. some of you like sardines in this room, but you know, you've got a potty mouth, all I got to say. You like sardines. There's people in this room that like sardines. I mean, you love sardines. My dad loves sardines. Stink. I'd rather sit down with a spoon to a can of bolo dog food and eat it <laughs> as to eat a sardine. And God, <laughs> shaking that head, Charlie. And God... And God said, we used to have a lady that came to our church and I'd share illustrations like this and she'd get up and run to the bathroom with her mouth because she'd go throw up. I affect people like that when I preach. But anyway, but Jesus Christ is trying to tell us, I want to move you out of just desperation of sorry. I want to move you away from this. I want to, I want to take you into a holy place. I want, to, I want to bless your life. And that he did. He saved them. He touched their lives. He showed them that God was not just a God. And then they said themselves when they saw the blind healed and the, and the dumb speak and they saw the lame walk, they said themselves, God is glorious. The God of Israel is glorious. And Jesus was trying to make a point here. I'm not just the God of Israel. I'm the God of the whole world. I'm the Savior of the whole world. He said, I just come up here on this mountain to sit down to put an end to you sleeping on the ground. I just came up here on this mountain to sit down to put an end to you feeling betrayed and 
expelled from the Jewish religion. I just come up here on the mountain to sit down and just sit here and I'm just going to let you come to me. And as you come to me, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to touch your life. I'm going to heal you. And they stayed for three days. Three days without food. Three days, probably little water. They're in a wilderness. They're struggling. Now I want you to know that's the way a sinner is today. He's in the wilderness. He's struggling. He's apart from God. And God wants to say to you today, you don't have to sleep on the ground. You have to trip over the rocks. I want to put a shelter over you, and my banner over you will be love. I want to touch your life. I want to not only heal you physically, I want to heal you spiritually. And I want to forgive you of your sins and wash you in my precious blood. For I am a God not of Israel only. I'm the God of all the world, the Gentiles, Greeks, all people. I'm a God who cares. And so Jesus Christ heals them and says, now let's get up off the ground. Let's don't stumble on the rocks. Let's get your diet changed. Let's get you fattened up on the gospel of Jesus Christ. No ham sandwiches. I offer you no ham sandwiches today, Jesus is saying. I offer you the glory of God. I offer you the purity of God, the grace of God. Amen? And he feeds them. And then he takes up seven baskets full, and they're like hampers. So those 4,000 men with their families can take those hampers back down to wherever their villages is, wherever those cities are, and they can share the story of what happened on the mountainside. They can share the story about a Messiah that is a giver and a lover of even the Gentiles. You can take that bread down to your family, take that bread down to your loved ones to the cities, and you can share the story of how I multiplied the bread and the fish, and I brought to you a message of good news and forgiveness through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And so Jesus Christ was telling them real quickly, after three days and three nights, everything changes. Jesus Christ said, I'll go to the barren wilderness ground, and I'll die on the cross of Calvary in the wilderness ground. That barren ground, I'll die, and I'll shed my blood on the cross of Calvary. And there in that desert place, yes, but also in that wilderness place, in that barren place where you lay on the ground, I'll be exalted and lifted up between heaven and earth as a sacrifice, as the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. And as you have spent three days and three nights with me learning my word, I want you to know that when you learn my word, it's going to take you one place. It'll take you other places, but the first place when you learn God's word, the first place it's going to take you is the cross of Calvary. That's the first place God's word will take you to is God so loved the world, not the Jews. God so loved the world, not just any one rich person or any uh, fortunate person, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And so he went to that wilderness. He went to that desert. He went and, and erected between heaven and earth. He dies on, the, on that cross. And the rocky ground, he, he, he's, he's lifted up from the cursed ground. He dies on the, on the cross. He's put in a rocky tomb. He's put in a barren tomb. He's put in a dead place. But he says, oh, things are going to change when you spend three days and three nights in expectation of my glory. When you spend three days and three nights believing that I am he and that I am the son of God and that I take away the sins of the world. After three days and three nights, Jesus Christ busted out of the grave, rose again from the grave, and he moved us from the barren, dry, dead ground and took us to the green grass.
and gives us an unleavened life, a life that is blessed. That's the message of the feeding of the 4,000. If you can't see the differences, please read the two accounts together. Look at them together and you'll see that Jesus Christ departed the tyrant side and healed that Syrophoenician woman's girl. When that Syrophoenician woman went home, she found the devil gone out of her house. and She found her daughter laid in bed gently and delivered of a demon. And then he moved from there to Decapolis, moved to the upper parts of Roman villages, Roman cities. And there he sat down on the mountain. And I think he said to his disciples, watch this. I believe Jesus sitting down on that mountain, the disciples thought, what is going on here? There's a bunch of Gentiles gathering around the feet of Jesus. And I believe Jesus was saying, Watch this. I healed the Syrophoenician woman. Now watch this. I'm going to heal thousands of people, Gentiles, and I'm going to heal their bodies. I'm going to open their blinded eyes. I'm going to uh, heal their crippled legs. I'm going to bring healing to their bodies. And watch this. I'm going to feed them. What's he doing? He's preparing his disciples to get a worldview of God's love. He's getting the disciples prepared to understand that the gospel of Jesus Christ is not exclusive to Ozark Full Gospel Church. It's not exclusive to a Baptist church. It's not exclusive to a Methodist church. The, the, the gospel of Jesus Christ is not exclusive to one church. And if you ever hear someone say, well, you got to belong to my church, you can't go to heaven. They are goofy. They are full of baloney any way you slice it. They're full of baloney. You, you don't promote a name above a door in the church and say, you got to be in this one. you got to follow this man. you got to follow that man. No, 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 no. The gospel of Jesus Christ is not just for a certain group, Jew or Gentile. The gospel of Jesus Christ is for everyone that can be taken to the cross, grasp the love of God. I've sinned, come short of the glory of God, with contrition in your heart, I need forgiveness. Broke, crushed at the feet of Jesus Christ, for he loved us, he died, he shed his blood for us, he went to the cross of Calvary, he conquered the curse of sin, death held in the grave, he was put in a tomb, that final destination of every human being, but thank God, Jesus Christ put an end to the final destination. My final destination is not a tombstone, my final destination is not a graveyard, my final destination is heaven! where Jesus Christ is. Amen. Hallelujah. And after three days and three nights, he rose again from the grave. You know, I wrote this in one of my books. I don't remember which one it was. I think it maybe is the book I'm about to publish about my name is Adam. And what I stated in the book was simply just a little short thought. I'm uneasy about dying and going to the grave. If it were not for what Jesus did after the tree. See, it's not what we do. It's what Jesus did after the tree. After he was beaten. After he was rejected. After he was crucified. After he was spit upon. After his beard had been pulled out. After he had been tormented. After he had been beaten beyond recognition. After he had nails put in his hands. After he put nail in his feet. After he was on the cross. Beaten beyond recognition of a human being. After he died. After he was put in the tomb. What I'm concerned about. Yes, what happened at the tree. And yes, what happens before the tree. But what's really got me going is what happens after the tree. He went to the tomb, rose again from the grave. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
It's kind of like Adam and Eve eating of the tree. I don't want to give away my book, but it's like Adam and Eve eating of the tree. That's a bad move. Eve, that was a bad move. Adam, that was a goofy move. But it's not so much what happened at the tree of knowledge of good and evil. It's what's happened after the tree. At another tree on Calvary, where Jesus Christ bled and died. How do you go to heaven? I'm going to show you how to go to heaven. In this miracle, you sit and listen to hear God's word. You believe it. You don't put anything ahead of God's word. Yes, God heals. Yes, God blesses. Yes, God touches the life. But you hear his word. And after three days, you'll understand that Jesus Christ died and rose again from the grave. And he'll transfer you from barren, rocky wilderness. You won't sleep on the ground anymore. You won't trip and stumble on the ground anymore. You'll be taken to the green, beautiful, flushed grass of home. Heaven. And I'll take you to a place that I wanted to do for Israel. But I'm going to do it for you. I'm taking you to the green grasses. That soft green grass of resurrection. Isn't that good? Stand with me. We're going to give an invitation. we got a baptism in just a minute. I cut the message short for, uh, uh, for a couple of reasons. One reason I cut the message short is we're only feeding 4,000, not 5,000 today. Last week I preached much longer and, and the week before that, I preached longer than that because it was the 5,000. Now I'm on the 4,000, so we get, we're a little shorter. You said, I can't wait till he feeds 10 people. <laughs> we're going to give an invitation. And we have a, a young man, Jared, is going to the baptistry to get ready, Jared Howell. I want to invite you to come to an altar. Are you tired of laying on the ground? Are you tired of tripping on the rocks of life? Are you tired of circling in the wilderness? Why don't you sit down with Jesus and let him begin to feed you? Let him begin to touch you. Are you tired of being broken? Are you tired of feeling separated? Are you tired of feeling that God don't want me? He wants somebody else, but God don't want me. That's what Jesus was saying to those Gentiles. Yes, I want you. I want Israel, but yes, I want you. And there may, may be someone in this room right now in this auditorium that say, God don't want me. Yes, he does. He loves you. And God wants to bring you out of that wilderness. He wants to bring you up out of that barren ground. And he wants to transfer you to the green grass, a life of resurrection, a life of forgiveness. The altar's open, you come. Come up here. This, hold on just a minute, would you? This is Logan Parks, right? Yes. And Logan gave his heart to Jesus Christ last Sunday morning. Praise God. And I told him, as I tell others, that Jesus Christ said, if you are ashamed of him and his words in this adulterous and sinful generation, God will be ashamed of you. But if you'll confess him before men, Jesus Christ promised to confess us before his Father and before the angels. And I told this fine young man, Logan, that if he would confess Jesus as his Lord. Now, he's already prayed. He's already did his homework. He's already sought the scriptures. He's already repented of his sins. But I wanted him to tell you, these people publicly... And before we do that, I want to pray with you, and, and I want to listen to you, uh, to your heart. 
Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for Logan. And God, I pray that no more wilderness, no more barren ground, no more sleeping on the ground, no more drinking, no more carousing, no more wrong companies, no more wrong bad people. My life is now, Logan's life now is in your hand. You are his God. And Jesus, you are his Savior. Lord, I thank you for Logan. I thank you for his faith in Jesus. And I ask God that you'd touch him and bless him. In Jesus' name. Now, Logan, just, just tell these people, you don't have to say it in big, I mean, you don't have to preach as bad as I do, but just tell them that you, you've given your heart to the Lord. I've given my heart to the Lord. That means no more drinking. No more wrong crowds. No more wrong crowds. No more sinning. No more sinning. My life belongs to Jesus. My life belongs to Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. That's good. Now, Logan, we're going to ask you to go get ready in the dressing room for baptism. And we're going to give the invitation a little longer. Because there might be someone in this room that would say, Preacher, I'm tired of sleeping on the cold, discouragement ground. I'm tired of tripping on the rocky wilderness. I'm tired of tripping the sandy, dry places of this world. I'm tired of living in the wilderness. I'm tired of tripping over the stones. For Israel was in a desert place because they had rejected the promise of God. But the Gentiles were in the wilderness, sleeping on the ground, crying on the ground, separated. And they came to hear God's changing word. Now, there may be someone in this room right now that would say, Preacher, I want to come forward. I want to make sure that when I die, I'm going to go to heaven. I want to make sure that Jesus, what he did after the tree, will guarantee salvation for me. I want to yield my heart to the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. How about it? How about it? Is there someone else?